Hello everyone, my name is Alex Gabuev. I'm a senior fellow and host of Carnegie Moscow Center podcast. And today we're going to talk about a really important, exciting topic that I don't think gets much of attention in Russia, but that's a crucial one going forward to, to define Russia's security and basically global security. It's China's nuclear buildup and impact of the architecture in the big nuclear triangle between Russia, US, and of course, People's Republic of China. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by two of the most knowledgeable experts on the issue. My Beijing-based colleague, Tun Zhao, who is a senior fellow with the nuclear program at Carnegie. Hi, Sasha. It's uh, such a great pleasure to be on the program. And uh, here we also have with us special correspondent of Commerçant, Yelena Chernyanko, who is one of the most serious voice on everything arms control and uh, strategic stability. Hi, Elena. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for the invitation. Let's grab the most crucial issue. Uh, Tun, you just published a terrific op-ed in the New York Times uh, laying out reasons why China might be engaged in a serious uh, nuclear buildup. So uh, how real is that? And what might be driving Beijing's behavior? What is it trying to achieve? I think China can be capable of being uh, both paranoid and uh, ambitious at the same time when it comes to its nuclear um, planning and thinking. Being paranoid means you know, China have probably uh, exaggerated threat perception about American missile defense, conventional uh, precision strike weapons. And China has been worried about those uh, American uh, threats for decades. And uh, you know, over the years, uh, China has been incrementally modernizing its nuclear forces to counter those threats. Some of the programs like multiple warhead technology, uh, for example, uh, could be very effective in countering that threat. But I think, um, you know, this threat is exaggerated, you know, could be exaggerated in my personal view, uh, because uh, China has very suspicious understanding about American strategic intent toward China. And as a result, um, you know, uh, US officials, their statements sometimes are ambiguous. And that ambiguity leads Chinese experts to read American intent in the most uh, serious manner. Uh, you know, President Trump's comment about US needs missile defense to defend against any missile from anywhere, anytime, really, I think, leaves the impression in the mind of many Chinese experts that the U.S. is really using missile defense to try to undermine and neutralize China's nuclear uh, deterrent, whereas, in fact, uh, the statement from President Trump is not fully consistent with American official policy, which is the U.S. does not intend uh, to use missile defense against Russia or China. The U.S. relies on its own nuclear deterrent uh, to uh, prevent nuclear attack. Uh, from these near uh, competitors, um, but that you know, threat, exaggerated threat uh, perception is, I think, uh, really uh, providing incentives uh, for China to uh, invest more and more in its nuclear um, modernization as China's economy grew very quickly and, and provided uh, more than sufficient resources and funding for the nuclear program. Uh, I think Chinese nuclear engineers were able to pursue basically all interesting ideas and projects that they believe could uh, contribute to a more credible nuclear deterrent. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that... Uh 
just reading the papers, it's not only about the uh, conventional nuclear forces, uh, like traditional nuclear forces, but we see Chinese uh, engineers testing radically new systems like the one reported by FT's uh, Dimitri Sevastopol recently. Yeah, um, you know, the recent reported testing of an orbital hypersonic uh, system is really interesting. Uh, there is so much still unknown about what exactly happened. According to reports, it looks like uh, China basically launched an object into orbit. It uh, traveled across the globe. It re-entered the atmosphere uh, using a glider system. And then maybe the glider launched another object when it was gliding through the atmosphere. You know, that was, you know, really uh, fancy. It was technologically challenging. I think maybe that part was what really impressed American officials who the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs General Midi called it a near Sputnik uh, moment. You know, that type of technology uh, using hypersonic glider vehicle at long, very long range and maybe even intercontinental range could really help penetrate U.S. missile defense. Um, and I think it could play a role uh, in Chinese efforts to develop escalation management capability. Uh, because for a long time, you know, China's uh, nuclear strategy is based on a simple idea of being able to conduct an all-out uh, second strike after uh, absorbing a first strike. But China hadn't really considered what happens if the U.S. only launch, launches a limited nuclear attack on regional, uh, on a regional target near or, or in China. So I think over time, the nuclear engineers and, and strategists may be thinking about more sophisticated nuclear strategy being uh, able to respond uh, uh, to uh, limited U.S. nuclear attack in a proportional uh, manner. And that requires more accurate and various ranges of nuclear weapon systems. And the, the hypersonic missile can certainly help China launch a limited nuclear counterattack on the U.S. homeland if, if a, a nuclear war escalates uh, to that level. In terms of the size of the arsenal and time frame, do we have a rough idea of where China is heading and what's the end goal there is? Well, the mostly, the mostly uh, cited and the most uh, authoritative open source research uh, conducted by uh, some American experts at the Federation of American Scientists, they, uh, estimated, uh, they estimate that China currently has about 350 uh, nuclear warheads. Um, that was a slightly a higher, a larger arsenal compared with a few years ago when China had maybe, uh, you know, 300 or so uh, weapons. So the number is already uh, growing at a faster speed than before. Uh, but according to uh, American military and intelligence assessments, uh, China's uh, arsenal is going to accelerate even further. Uh, and by 2027, China may have up to 700 nuclear warheads. And by the end of this decade, 2030, China may have at least 1,000, according to the most recent Report. Well, that puts China really in the more or less same category as Russia and the US, the two only superpowers. And Elena, I think that uh, as uh, US and Russia have renewed uh, the START Treaty earlier this year when Biden administration came uh, without any preconditions, now the two countries are engaged in the strategic talls in Geneva that I think that you are one of the most credible source, uh, at least from the Russian side, of what's going on there. Uh, 
is China at all a factor uh, in the discussions? Because we are talking about arms control regimes and uh, arms control regime that's not only based on the same principles as Star Treaty, but also fuses in cyber in its relation to uh, nuclear forces, maybe of space, maybe uh, non-nuclear strategic assets like high-precision uh, missiles, uh, hypersonic weapons, and all of that. But that should take into account the progress on the Chinese side. Uh, Trump had this idea to bring China to the negotiation table together with the Russians and the Chinese that uh, doesn't work out. And now the two countries are talking in a bilateral track. But is China a subject on these discussions? What do you hear? Um, you're exactly right. Um, it's very much uh, different, uh, the approach that the Biden administration uh, is taking compared to the one under the Trump administration where uh, the American negotiators really tried everything to get the Chinese uh, onto the negotiating table. We have seen even uh, this uh, picture that went around the internet where they had the uh, Russian flags, the American flags, and the Chinese flags at the negotiating tables, although it was clear from the start that the Chinese delegation would not pop up uh, in Vienna. But uh, we see that the Biden administration is taking a different approach. Uh, we are looking most probably uh, and hopefully at two parallel tracks, a U.S.-Russian track and a uh, U.S.-Chinese track, maybe. It's not clear yet whether there will be uh, such one. There were some hopes uh, uh, before this uh, virtual summit of uh, Biden and Xi Jinping that maybe they would start a nuclear dialogue. As far as I can see, uh, it's not formalized. It hasn't uh, been outlined yet. But maybe we are looking at this in, in the coming years, that there will be some parallel tracks and uh, maybe they will lead to some results. But uh, I guess that uh, the problem is this. If China is not engaging in any arms control negotiations with the U.S. and doesn't want to limit its program because it's still not in the same category and it wants to get there before it starts to talk uh, arms control, then probably the incentives for the U.S. and uh, particularly for, for the U.S. to negotiate something with Russia uh, are getting diminished because uh, here your primary adversary is rapidly advancing uh, in strategic arms. Why would you limit uh, yourself by something signed with the Russians? You're exactly right. That is uh, a dilemma that the U.S. is facing and that the Russians have to take into consideration but still, the Russian arsenal is very big. Uh, it's uh, in some numbers higher than the American one. Uh, Russia has all these shiny new weapons that Vladimir Putin has introduced a few years ago. Uh, so Russia is still a threat factor in the strategic uh, uh, stability domain. Um, and that's why uh, definitely the U.S. has an incentive to talk to Russia even without the Chinese at the table yet. But uh, you're also right that uh, they're mainly interested in doing something with the Chinese. And we have seen the Trump administration trying to get Russia to put pressure on the Chinese. Uh, Russia didn't want to do that. Uh, Russian position is that the French and the Brits have also to join so that the negotiations would maybe continue in a P5 format, which is uh, quite unrealistic at this moment. Um, but I mean, uh, the situation is changing quite rapidly. 
we see definitely the Chinese uh, building up their arsenal. Maybe at some point uh, Russia will also at least officially already be ready to show more interest in uh, talks with the Chinese too. Uh, Tun, uh, what's the official position of China on uh, talking arms control and strategic stability with the U.S.? And like, what's the realistic position? Is it as many experts read it, we get there where you are, Russia and America, and then we're going to talk? Or is China ready to start some uh, preliminary discussions with the U.S.? I think that uh, we got the idea that during Biden's C teleconference, that topic has been discussed, but I don't think that uh, Jake Sullivan, our former colleague, in his debrief gave too much meat on what the substance of the discussion has been. So I think that everybody is uh, puzzled out there. Well, uh, during the Trump administration, the Chinese official position was very clear uh, and um, explicit, uh, which is China was not going to join U.S.-Russia-China trilateral arms control which reflects uh, a general Chinese disinterest in the idea of arms control. As I said before, you know, part of the Chinese nuclear buildup is driven by paranoia, but the other part is driven by ambition. Right? China, especially under uh, current paramount leader, uh, Mr. Xi, uh, really believes that in order for China to become a great country, it needs a great military power, including nuclear power. And that is written into the most recent historical resolution passed at the Sixth Party Plenum of the 19th Party Congress. So I think with, with the current leadership came into power, um, come into power, he, he brought this idea to the Chinese uh, bureaucratic system and really promoted this idea within the system that China needs a stronger nuclear force and needs a stronger military capability. Um, and, and China wants to, I think, f- narrow the gap uh, between the nuclear forces of itself and, and the other big big powers. So th- the other part is, is driven by this uh, ambition. And, and of course, if China wants to achieve other goals of national rejuvenation, including to secure its control over disputed territory and to achieve unification with Taiwan, a, a greater nuclear capability could provide protection, could provide a cover, uh, because it would deter the U.S. from threatening a conventional conflict with, with a nuclear coercion. The U.S. wouldn't be able to uh, to escalate a conventional conflict to the nuclear level, whereas at conventional level, China, the time is on China's side, at least at this moment. And China has been uh, gaining greater and greater conventional level military advantage vis-a-vis the United States in the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, so the nuclear power plays a role, to, uh, you know, also in, in achieve, helping achieve China's national rejuvenation. For, so for all those reasons, I don't think Chinese government uh, has a deep interest in, in pursue arms control. The overall main, mainstream consensus appears to be that it is time for China to quickly build up its strategic uh, power, not the time to consider limiting or restraining uh, Chinese power uh, development. Uh, the official position uh, expressed by Chinese officials uh, was that once uh, the U.S. And, uh, is willing to uh, reduce or decrease its nuclear uh, arsenal to the level of China, then China would be more than happy to to join arms control talks. Um, uh, to many, that sounds uh, you know not very sincere uh, because we all know that U.S. would not consider 
doing that in the foreseeable future. But that was a position expressed by the Director General of the Arms Control Department of the MFA. It may not represent the highest level of facial thinking or, or position. So far, we haven't seen higher level Chinese officials explicitly talking about these issues at all. Uh, which again testifies uh, testi uh, testifies to the fact that arms control is not a hot topic. It's not a priority in the Chinese uh, security and strategic uh, community. But it's good that uh, President Biden and President Xi uh, discussed uh, nuclear issues, uh, strategic stability issues in their recent virtual summit. It looked like President Biden really pushed President Xi on, on those issues, and we uh, we don't know uh, what specific commitment uh, President Xi uh, made. Uh, my you know speculation is uh, again this was not his you know he was not really interested in promoting these discussions, but he probably expressed in a very polite way his agreement about the importance of these issues. So there's a lot to be decided at the operational level uh, in terms of how to implement the two leaders' uh, uh, joint uh, consensus on the importance of having a bilateral discussion on uh, strategic stability. I'm sure the U.S. government is thinking about what specific demands they will ask for their uh, Chinese colleagues um, and, and there may there might be similar thinkings uh, in the Chinese policy community, but a lot is is uh, 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 uncertain, and uh, I think uh, China itself may not have a very good idea of what specific goals it wants to pursue in a future bilateral talk or even negotiation. Uh, those issues have not been thoroughly uh, studied in the Chinese expert community. Uh, I think China faces a lot of challenge to figure out uh, what to discuss with the United States uh, in the future. But here is the challenge, uh, and I think that it's very uh, relevant to both Russia and China. Uh, I hear that some people in the Pentagon and in the U.S. strategic community say, uh, well, uh, Russia and China are moving closer. They are not formal treaty allies, but there is a lot of convergence between the two authoritarian states. So they do this joint patrol of strategic uh, nuclear carriers. They uh, have these joint drills. So uh, Russia is helping China with the early uh, missile attack warning system. So there is a lot of uh, stuff going on between the two. And uh, in the future, the U.S. will need to have capabilities to counter them both at the same time. So let's assume that they are allies already and let's plan our nuclear posture, uh, trying to take aim at both. And uh, I think that if you are in a conspiracy theory camp, you can say that this is military industrial complex pushing for more U.S. taxpayers dollar going their way to radically upgrade the U.S. nuclear arsenal. But I think that strategically, uh, the challenge is particularly real. And uh, if, if you think that there might be some Trump-like Republican president in the White House at some point, uh, I think the danger becomes really acute. And the sh uh, surest way to prevent that is to start at least seriously engaging in some arms control discussions with, uh, with the Americans right now, not probably about arms limitation, but talking through what it could be 
like uh, by 2030. Doesn't it make sense to the Chinese uh, strategic community, Tong? Uh, personally, I think it makes uh, every sense for China. We, we really don't want to uh, waste our money and resources uh, on nuclear weapons, uh, nuclear silos, submarines, uh, launch vehicles. At a time when Chinese economy is facing increasing challenge, we, we are a fastly aging society. Uh, people need uh, healthcare and, and social security, uh, etc. The young people they don't have enough resources. They don't want to uh, have uh, kids. You know, we face so much uh, social economic challenge. It's not time to waste money on nuclear weapons. And uh, clearly, Biden administration is willing to uh, promote arms control. It would be a golden opportunity uh, to uh, have some genuine uh, discussion uh, on these issues. Uh, and to build some uh, guardrails uh, around the bilateral relationship. Um, and if we can uh, have some arms control agreements that could uh, give both sides a little more confidence about each other's strategic intent, and that could help stabilize the overall bilateral relationship and may lead to and may help facilitate uh, operational level cooperation in other issue areas. So since it's make, it makes every sense for both countries, but I think a key obstacle here is there is this real confidence, self-confidence in the Chinese community that China, Chinese economy is still performing better, maybe not this year or, 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 uh, or this quarter, but in general, there is confidence that Chinese economy is going to outperform the US, which means Chinese military will be able to uh, modernize faster than the united states and uh, china uh, you know given time china is going to further narrow the gap with the u.s military so china shouldn't you know uh, tie its own hands right now china shouldn't fall into the trap um, set up by the united states uh, by promoting arm, you know by promoting arms control with china um the, the suspicion about u.s intention behind arms control talks uh, is, is a real uh, obstacle so strategic uh, stability is not only about the size of the nuclear arsenal, but about uh, all other systems, uh, including satellite weapons. And uh, Russia has recently uh, tested one, and it's the first uh, recorded test, uh, Elena. And I think that you were the first reporter to actually call uh, the military part of the exercise. And that oh, I think that all everybody who is reading your Twitter has uh, enjoyed that part a lot. Uh, uh, what's the message there? Uh, is it just Russia showing that we have these capabilities and uh, we are now in the same league as the countries that have tested uh, those weapons like the US has, uh, China has, India has? Or, or uh, is it a message to force everybody else to, who has these capabilities to join negotiations on this particular aspect of strategic stability and arms control? Oh, Sasha, I so much wish I knew the uh, answer to your question because I think so many people were puzzled by this test, and it could be both. I mean, it could be, as well you said, a, uh, a demonstration of capabilities, but also uh, an invitation to negotiations, uh, because Russia and China have been promoting this idea of a new treaty for space, and maybe this is uh, kind of, well, we will test uh, uh, to show that we can, and uh, maybe you will now get serious, but... Um, I mean, I haven't seen a real explanation of uh, why this has been done now and why this has been done this way. Because before that, we have seen several times Russian officials criticizing those countries that you have mentioned 
for creating debris in space after they have uh, destroyed their own satellites. So I don't have a good explanation on this, unfortunately. Uh, and the, the call to, to the NOTAM guys uh, that you mentioned, asking them uh, what happened to the missiles and why they destroyed their satellite that is now seemingly threatening the International Space Station didn't help much out. They didn't expect a call from a journalist asking them why they sent uh, a missile to destroy an old Soviet satellite uh, to, that is, has now created so much debris that is uh, seemingly threatening the International Space Station. They were totally puzzled and uh, asked me very politely, I must say, to never ever dial this number again. That is fun. Well, uh, I think that we need to conclude by wishing good luck to all of the capable negotiators uh, working on the Geneva track between Russia and the US, because uh, it's indeed not only about uh, building yet another version of Star Treaty, but about a new generation of arms control agreement that will probably include other elements like cyber hypersonic, high-precision weapons and uh, satellites and probably will serve as a model for uh, future talks between uh, China and the U.S., the two superpowers with the most acute geopolitical contradictions and the two superpowers where if you are looking for a risk of uh, nuclear use of nuclear weapons uh, in a conflict, that's probably something where, where we all mostly uh, looking at. Uh, dear Lana, thank you for your excellent reporting. Dear Tung, thank you for excellent thinking and researching. Uh, I think that we should reconvene uh, at some point just to check what has happened uh, in this very important domain. I thank you both. Thank you so much, Sasha, for the invitation. Thank you so much. <laughs>